Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. Today is a special episode. Um, I don't know if you can tell who I have with me. Um, You may have heard of her. If not, uh, we have Terika Smith. Um, she is going to be talking with us a little bit about her, her, her real estate development uh, career and all the things she's involved in and how she got there and uh, a little bit about her, her life story if she's willing to uh, provide any of that. I, I got some notes, but before we get too far, uh, I want to go ahead and let you, know, you guys know about our sponsor, the Music Academy of Acadiana. Uh, If you're looking to get into music, if you want to learn music, you obviously can learn it at any age. Um, The Music Academy of Acadiana is a locally founded music academy, uh, and it's founded by Tim Benson, who is is a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. Uh, The academy has been voted as a top finalist in the Best Music School by Readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won several mu- national music school awards, uh, one uh, from the year 2014 as well. Um, they teach students of all ages and styles. They have, uh, they've sent students to college. They've sent students to compete in major music competitions. And they've also been on uh, American Idol and The Voice, which is kind of cool if you watch any of those. I don't know who still watches American Idol, but um, if you do, uh, they've been on there. Uh, Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers in our area. Uh, You can find them at the following links. So on your screen, if you're watching, you see the musicacademyacadiana.com. And then we also have their Facebook page is Music Academy of Acadiana. They have an Instagram. They have a YouTube. They have all those social media platforms. So go check them out and uh, let them know that you heard about them from us. All right, and now on to the episode. All right, so Terika, thank you for coming on. Uh, uh, yeah, so how's it going today? I'm amazing. I am fantastic today. Um, not sure if you know, but in Israel, it is a new year. So today marks a new year. So, in Israel, today's yes. a new year? Yes, wow. I found that out today from one of my friends who is from Israel that lives there. And so I was like, wow, that's very interesting. That's so weird to uh, think about because I'm so we're so concerned about what what's going on here that I forget about other regions of the world having, yeah. like the Chinese New Year is completely different than yeah. ours. Yeah, so that's awesome. So, yeah. so you are a real estate developer. You are a coach. You're an author and just an all-around entrepreneur. Like, tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of what led you to be a real estate developer. Wow. So, um, so for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Terika Lynn Smith. And, um, I mean, I started real estate almost 15 years ago. Um, I've always had a love for wanting to help others and 
Um, I've been doing it for quite some time. And throughout the course of my career, not only did I want to just help people buy and sell homes, I realized that I actually enjoyed the construction phase of it. And then here in town, we have some areas that are in desperate need of real estate development. And um, I, I believe that it was it's on us to be able to go in and revitalize those areas and bring awareness and opportunities to those areas that don't receive investment dollars. So starting off, um, I did not know I was going to be a developer. I just thought I was going to be like your everyday real estate agent, you know. Um, but as time progressed, you know, um, when you see a need, you you have to you have to move, and that's what started it. You know, I um, I started this pioneering phase. I call it in my life. Uh, about three or four years ago, just um, mapping out the game plan, being very strategic in how we was to approach um, different developments here in Acadiana. And, you know, from there we launched and we started. So are you in a real estate um, company on your own or are you with, are you partner with somebody? So, all right. So there's two there's two folds, right? So I am the broker of Real Broker LLC, which is a real estate brokerage that house realtors, right? So I have my ordinary real estate brokerage, and then I have Salt Capital Equity Group, which is a group of partners who we um, invest our own money together and we go out and revitalize communities. So the development phase comes up under Salt Capital Equity Group. The realtor phase come up under Real Broker LLC. Okay. So you've been a real estate agent for, since you said 15 years ago. Almost 15 years ago, yeah. And I don't want to like ask your age or anything like that because yeah. I know that's usually inappropriate. <laughs> oh no, um, I'm okay. I'm okay. good. Yeah, okay. no, I'm 35 years old. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll be 35 next year, so yeah. that's good. Um, so 15 years ago, so what, what led you to, um, like, what was the thought process, like, you were you always wanting to be a real estate agent like was that a passion or was that something that you just kind of fell into because it was a necessity right so there was a point in time when um i was 16 years old and i used to travel throughout the united states selling magazines because i was i was in foster care right so um after right after i got emancipated out of foster care at the age of 16 I went and got on the road for a short period of time and I started selling magazines door to door where every door I knocked on were in like Beverly Hills and all these nice places. And I asked people, what do you do for a living? And they say, oh, we're in real estate. And so that kind of always stuck with me. So um, I ended up getting pregnant and um, became homeless for a short period of time. And um, I found a place right before Hurricane Katrina. Well, when Hurricane Katrina hit, we was trapped in the city for three days because which we, city? New Orleans. Okay. And we didn't evacuate. Wow. And so, um, being trapped in that city, I was I was horrified. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You know, um, I thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> Um, and I just knew that if I made it out of this situation, I was going to do something different with my life. Like I wasn't going to end up in a position where I was going to rely on the government to raise me and my children. So, um, after Hurricane Katrina and making it, you know, to Lafayette, Louisiana from New Orleans, I started, um, real estate school the next year in 2006. And then I stayed in real estate ever since. So you were, were you homeless when you said you're homeless right before Katrina, right before Katrina, yep. And so, you were living on the street in New Orleans. Yes, 
And I say right before. It's a few years right before okay. Hurricane okay. Katrina. Yes. But I was homeless with my, my son. Okay. Um, we lived up under the Claiborne Bridge in New Orleans for a night, and it was... Well, you lived under a bridge. Yes. I lived up under a bridge with my baby. Oh, my God. Yes. It was horrific. Like, it was... It was a moment of, um, you, you know, when people reach their bottom, like that was the bottom for me because, you know, I went from uh, a child that was abused at an early age. I was abandoned by my family and placed into foster care. And now I'm a mother of someone and he's about to go through the exact same thing that I went through growing up. Like if they find out I'm homeless with my child up under this bridge, they're going to take him from me. And that was a moment that I shared some tears. And it was like, I, I tell this to everybody, those tears had meaning. Like every tear that fell down my face meant something to me. Like I had tears of rejection, tears of abandonment, tears of hurt, tears of failure for him. Like I felt, I felt less than a woman. And I knew that I never wanted him to experience homelessness again. I never wanted him to experience poverty or what it's like to be hungry and to miss a meal. And so that moment was a, a self-defining moment because I, I went from being homeless up under that bridge to getting my first apartment with my son. And then from that apartment, um, I got pregnant again. So by the time I'm 19, I got two babies, okay? Oh, wow. And I'm doing my best as I possibly can, but I'm on every type of government assistance that you can imagine, welfare, food stamps, Medicaid, everything. And from that transition, when Hurricane Katrina hit, I was like, yo, I'm done. Like, I can't do this no more. Like, I am tired of being abandoned. Yeah. I don't want to feel like that no more. I don't want my kids to feel like that. So if a hurricane come, like Hurricane Laura, like, I'm out. Like, I want to have enough resources to be able to take my family to safety. Not being able to provide for your family is one of the worst feelings in the world. And that's really what led me to get to where I'm at today. I am speechless. Like, to, to, to know that you were living under a bridge... Obviously, you don't, nobody wants to live under a bridge. No. I don't know anybody who really wants to no. be there. And not being a young, like being young like I was and a teenage mom, like holding a baby, you're very vulnerable because there's other homeless people under that bridge. Yeah. Majority of them are men. So I'm terrified that they may take advantage of me if I close my eyes. Like I don't want to close my eyes, but I'm tired. Like I'm tired, but I can't sleep. Like it's a restless feeling. And so you're a single mother, obviously. Or were? I was a single yeah. mother, yes. I've been married. Um, I met my husband right after I had my second daughter. And we've been um, together ever since. We've been married for 14 years. Nice. Yeah, 14 years. We've been together 15 years now. So you got, so you started your real estate career pretty much right as you met your husband. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So life really started to turn around about 15 years ago. Yes. Not long ago. <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. So you, you said that, and I don't want to, I don't want to stay too deep into. No, I'm good. I'm transparent. My audience knows everything about me. Like okay. I don't hide anything from them. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I like, I, I understand where you're coming from mm -hmm. to know where you're at now. Yeah. Um, I have. I went to your website. Um, I'll let people see your website right now, just in case they want to go check it out themselves. It's uh, TerricaLynnSmith.com. Uh, it's on your screen if you want to check it out. Um, yeah. So there, there's there's a little bit of your story on there. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of them. 
I, I, I jotted down and you said, so you were abandoned and it says, you said at the age of five, mm-hmm. that is young. Like most kids don't start developing memory until like the, the ages of three to five, like in mm-hmm. that range. Like, do you remember being left or like abandoned? So at five years old, my mother sold me to a drug dealer. And I was taken advantage of on the bathroom floor while she sat right there and she was high. So I remember every single moment of that Mm. day. And um, that was a very, um, that was one of the worst days of my life, right? I would say Katrina was second. That was, that's number one, you know. Um, Being abandoned and placed in foster care didn't feel nowhere near as what I felt at five years old. That was the most sickening moment of my life. And I think, you know, um, in all transparency, in order to be a mother, you you have to know how to be a mother. And I feel like when your parents are on drugs and they're being controlled by something else, they're not capable of being parents. And so at that moment, her high is what, you know, she needed, you know, and I was the transaction. So, um, I think um, I used to be embarrassed of what happened to me. I used to be embarrassed that I didn't have the type of family that you see on TV. I was embarrassed not that... Not many people Not many people have that. <laughs> I didn't know that though, right? So I'm just looking around and everybody looked like they're in a perfect world. And here it is. I have this ugly story and nobody could ever possibly ever like want to be associated with someone like me because of everything that I went through, you know, and what I realized is that the ugly in people is not the ugly in you. And, um, although me and my mother don't have a relationship right now, I forgive her. I forgive her for not being the mother that I needed. I forgive her for selling me to her drug dealer at an early age and allowing him to take my innocence on that bathroom floor. I forgive her for not even wondering if I even like struggled from that, like the suicide thoughts, the depression, like I forgive her for not knowing any of that, you know, um, that right there, um, is, is what I like to, I share that story now because I'm through it for years. I never got through my story. Like, I would break down, I would cry, I would get embarrassed, and then I would go, I would convert inward, you know? Um, And sexual abuse is something that shouldn't be hidden. It shouldn't be a family secret. Um, It should be yelled at the roof when someone has taken advantage of someone, and I didn't know that. I was terrified. So now I'm yelling it from the roof, and people have turned their backs on me um, because I've shared the family secrets, and... It's not their secrets. It's my story. Yeah. And I have the right to tell my story. No, and it's a, it's, it's a very powerful story, especially knowing how you overcame that to where you are now. Yeah. Like, it, reading some of this, I'm like, I don't even know where I would be. <laughs> like, I don't know how I would even deal with that if I were in your, your shoes. Like, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of uh, shaking so, um, from that, you obviously definitely overcame that. Um, what about today? Like, what are you doing today that is helping or to help people 
in whichever way? Because I know mm-hmm. you said you were yeah. a coach and an, an mm-hmm. author. So tell me a little bit about the things that you're doing to help. All right. So um, one of the things is this is actually a world premiere. I get to announce it with you. We just created a real estate board game that teaches people how to create generational wealth with your family. So everybody's a part of the family plan. And it's not just you knowing about it or me knowing about it. It's all incorporated. So I wanted to create, everybody asks me, how do I start? Like, how can I get going? How can I do this? And I'm like, all right, I don't want to create another course and put it online or anything like that. I want something where it can be fun, but children can learn as well because generational wealth is extremely important to me. And everything that I do, every business I invest in, I make sure it's something I can pass on to my children. So we created a board game called Developers. And in this board game, it teaches you how to leverage from one property all the way into leveraging into a community development, which is where I'm at today. So it walks you through the whole path and it has three different, um, I would say, things that you have to get through, right? You got life, which means if you pull a life card, Anything can happen in life. You don't know what that card consists of. You have assets, cards that's going to help you along the way to put money in your pocket. Then you got liabilities, cards that's going to take money out your pocket, right? Maybe even bankrupt you. So it allows you to participate in real life events that happens while being a real estate developer. So I'm super excited about that because we're making this huge announcement. Um, Well, is this live? This is live. It's definitely live, yeah. It was supposed to be at 8 o'clock tonight, but whatever. It's okay. Um, we'll still announce it again, but we're, I'm excited to be able to share that with people. But I'll tell you that um, recently um, we created an Opportunity Zone Fund account for um, for us to be able to revitalize um, certain areas within the community, such as Madeline Cove. Madeline Cove is a $14.5 million development that's going to be a mixed-use community on the north side of town. So it's going to consist of single-family townhouses. Um, it's going to have a senior complex. It's going to have commercial. And we're creating this work-eat-play type environment where people can feel comfortable going back outside. And we're going to have this this um, this area that's in the community where it's real serene where you can just walk and um, I'm real, I'm very spiritual. So um, it's an area where you can just go pray and have a conversation with yourself or with God or whoever your higher force is, right, that you believe in to just sit there and just and just lay it there and then go back. So like every community that we're developing is very unique and is very, very um intentional with what we're putting in these communities um and another thing is like i'm like we're like dedicating street names in in remembrance of our children so that's our legacy right so when my son ride down a street he can be like yo this is my name like i can't believe that this is happening and so how i coach people is through salt capital equity group so if they're a new investor, they're just looking to get started. Um, if they don't have enough money or they don't have the credit where I have properties where they can come and invest in properties with me. Right. And that way they get this experience, they get the education, and then they also get the opportunity to be able to get started. And what I hope for them is that they do enough projects through Salt Capital that they can go out on their own and be confident with the resources that we have provided to them. So it's a real estate crowdfunding mechanism, Salt Capital but it's a membership-based service that allows them to actually be investors. So we create 
unaccredited investors with Salt Capital and allow them to come with us on projects um, that we invest in. That's okay. Okay, so unaccredited investors, because I know to be an accredited investor, you have to have like some net worth of like millions of something. All right, so to be an accredited yes. investor, you ha- um as a single person, you have to have 250 you have to make $250,000 a year and or if you merit a half a million dollars a year and or have a million dollars in assets excluding your primary residence. Well, a lot of people don't have that. So they don't get a chance and opportunity to sit to sit at a table like Netflix and be able to invest into something like that in the beginning. They get all the Class B shares, right? They don't get them right, Class yeah. A shares because you have to be accredited because it's a higher risk. So the SEC wants to make sure that you are an educated investor, right? Their correct term is sophisticated. So we're like... What if we teach them how to be investors and then allow them to go be investors on their own and build their network up so they can become accredited and have a seat at the table with us? That's what we do. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is something that's being done locally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have over 100 members, almost to three. We have over, we almost at 200 members and we have over 100 investors all around the world. Okay. All around the world, but it's based here in Lafayette. So this is a website that they can go to to yes. do this? Yes, saltcapitalequitygroup.com. Okay. And so uh, I would be considered an unaccredited uh, investor. <laughs> I am nowhere near uh, the status. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I I use Robinhood mm-hmm. to invest in uh, you know securities. Yes. Uh, those are, I'm guessing, like you said, Class B. Those are like... Uh, just public shares, yeah. And so, I love it. Mm-hmm. However, to to the, to believe or to know that you have a system set up to where it allows people, just everyday people, that it, how what's like what's the minimum that somebody off the street can be like, hey, I wanna I wanna take part in this program. Like, how much do I have to have? So the minimum ranges, but typically it's twenty five hundred dollars to get started. Okay, and you're investing into a property not into uh, whatever people call, right? Like you can go to 627 Evangeline Drive here in Lafayette and see your property. Like you can pull up to it and say, hey, I want to do a walkthrough through my property. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm invested into this. Like they get to really see their properties and they choose what they invest in. We don't choose their investment. So a lot of real estate crowdfunds, they just take your money and then they go invest it for you. With Salt Capital, we say, no, here's our portfolio. You choose where you want to put your money, and you can see your property anytime you want. So we have investors in Chicago that fly down, come to Lafayette, see their property, and be like, oh, my gosh, I would have never been able to have this, you know, um, if I kept the traditional mindset, right? Like, I, I need X, Y, Z. You really don't need that. And for women that um, make less than $30,000 a year, we have a group called Sisterhood of Entrepreneurs that allow them to invest with Salt Capital Equity Group for a minimum of $500. So we like to do that for, like, women that used to be like me, single got kids, just trying to create another stream of income. So technically speaking, if they fall in that category, then their initial investment can be $500. But um, just traditionally speaking, 
twenty five hundred would kind of be like the minimum range. Okay, so so somebody invests in, with Salt Capital into a piece of property. Mm-hmm. Is it a so let's say there's an one acre. Mm-hmm. Is it a portion? It's a portion of that acre, correct? Mm-hmm. So what is the hopes? Is the hopes that that property will get acquired and developed? Mm-hmm. So that so that we pers- have different platforms, right? So we have the rehab platform, which which a lot of investors, because they're so new, they believe fast money is the best money, which as seasoned investors, we know that the investment that compounds over a period of time is the best investment, not the one you receive back right away. Um, because of, we're not going to get into that, but <laughs> yeah, I'll, break, I'll go into too much detail. But what I'll say is we have the rehab sector, we have the multifamily sector, and then we have the community development sector, right? So on our rehabs, we didn't pay it out um, as high as 18% in six months on the return on investment. Um, we range and we like to keep the return on investments between 12 to 18% on their investments. Yeah. Over what time? We usually like to say if you're doing a rehab, it's 9 to 12 months. If you're doing multifamily, the preferred rate of return is 8% on top of dividends paid for the sale of that multifamily unit upon the exit, um, which is an additional 12 to 18% on the multifamily. And then the community development, it ranges on the property that it would be in. So if it's in the senior complex, again, it'll be a 8% preferred ROR versus just the ROI like it would be on a rehab. Okay. Okay. So do you have any examples or stories of a property that has yielded for someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did a property here in Lafayette um, off of Herbert Road. And that property, we um, acquired that property for $85,000, I think, Um, $80,000 to $85,000. And then we put in about $55,000 into that property. This is a rehab. And we sold it for $215,000, I believe. Oh, wow. And so the investors received uh, a very good return off of that. So, um, and how it's broken up, like I said, is in percentages of the amount of ownership that is acquired at that time. Okay. And so do you see um, the members that you have with Salt Capital in that, in that program that you have, do you see if there is a return, do you see them bringing their, some of their returns back and reinvesting? Oh, we have investors that have not left. Okay. They literally go from every time we place a property, like when we first started, it would take 30 days to fund a property. Okay. This is the beauty of salt capital. We ain't just taking people money. We put our own money up. So there's two people involved. There's salt capital, which is me and my partners. We put up usually 60% of the deal and we allow 40% to be allocated to everyday individuals who just want to get started in investing. Now, whether we get that 40% or not, Ben, we're still buying that property and we're still moving forward because this is deals we already do on a daily basis. So the investors that um, are invested with us, they have not left. Like they, they are like, they talk about it all the time. You know, um, they share their properties, you know, they're excited to be a part of it. And I'm excited for them because it's theirs. They should be excited. This is exciting. So you, you have the, 
the thing you snuck in with the the game, which I don't want to talk too much about that because I know you have a no, reveal, yes, a bigger yes, reveal coming. Yes. Um, yes. And I'll I'll um, I'll be looking out for that. Yes. Because uh, it sounds cool. Yes. Um, and then you have the Salt Capital program where you allow people to invest in property that's split up for almost next to nothing in terms of real estate costs. <laughs> yeah. And then, so you mentioned community investments, kind of like the Madeline Cove. Mm-hmm. Is that part of the Salt Capital program or are people invested into that particular? Yeah, so Salt Capital Equity Group is just owned by me and my partners yeah. right now. When we start building individual homes, our members would um, potentially have access to be able to invest into those properties. Okay, okay. So it's not yet available for them to invest in. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. When do you think Madeline Cove will kind of start? Forming? Yeah. It'll be a while, right? No? Nah, I say blink. Blink. Like that fast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're anticipating Madeline Cove. We're looking to break ground within the next eight weeks. Wow. Yes. Okay. I'm going to have to keep, uh, keep yes. tabs of that because I wrote about it. Yes. And then I want to make sure to like keep up with it because I know that whenever I drove through that area, I don't know if uh, if you're listening, I don't know if you've ever driven in the Madeline Cove area. What's the street name? Is it Madeline? Yes. Madeline. Okay. okay. So off of, off of university... Right, right before you get to I-10, um, coming from south to north, if you take Madeline and go down this little real estate property that it looks like it was a, a development that was about to start. Yes. That got like nixed. Yes. And it is bad. Mm-hmm. It is a. It, it I'll be was, honest. It's a. It, it was, was a dump. A dump. Yeah. It was a dump. It's nice now. It's clean. Have you been back there? I have not been back oh, there. Oh, we got yet. gates up. We got fencing up. Wow. You developing like that? Hey, then you got. But, but I gotta I, look. I can't just I can't go to places every day. I have yeah. to like get a, a tip so to make my route because yeah. I, I do the whole parish. But if you go sit now, it's completely cleaned up. It is beautiful, and you're right. It was a dump. It was a it was a piece of property that's been abandoned for more than ten years in our community. Taxpayer dollars are going to waste to cut the grass to keep it. it it's sickening and now we're bringing this property back into commerce and we're bringing not only back now it's going to be a actual community like i think that i think no that's amazing um i'm so either today or next week i'm gonna have to go make my route yeah drive by that area because i'm excited to see it cleaned up because whenever i went this was probably this was definitely last year probably a a year now ago Mm um there were Tons of tires. Oh, yeah. There was couches and recliners just thrown out. And I've never seen that amount of garbage garbage and yeah. waste and dump yeah. since I've lived in the, the woods, basically where yes, I, I moved from. exactly. And like off of dirt roads is where you see like washing machines. Yep. And I said, oh, that's where you see the, the trash. Like yep. coming to a city, you never see that because yep. there's ordinances. But yep. just right off university, there was a literal dump. Yep. I say was. Yes. Because you said was. it's cleaned up. And so I'm yes. excited oh, to see we that. We spent a lot of money cleaning that property up. Yes. And it, I mean, we keep it very well maintained. It's cut twice a month. You know, um, it's gated so you can't get all the way through, but you'll see the beautification of it just from pulling up right there. Like people literally come and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was here. We're like, are you serious? They're like, no, we had no clue that this was here. But yeah. that's why it was the perfect dumping site. 
Yeah, yeah. It was hidden. Yeah. You turn right when you turn in and make that little right. Yeah. It's where the, the stuff happened. Yeah. It was bad. Um, okay, cool. So I, I got a question as far as um, the focus of your uh, development mm-hmm. passion. So is the north side a focus for you or is what does your like map look like as far as focus goes? Poverty is a focus for okay. me. Right, poverty. Um, areas that have not received investment dollars in decades. It's time to change the history of that. Like what we're doing in Madeline Cove on the north side is we're taking a diamond that literally needs to be cleaned. And we're bringing beautification back to these areas. Areas that people call the ghetto. Areas that people call um, high crime areas. Areas that people are afraid to invest in. If we don't change the trajectory of what these communities are, then children grow up to see that and we never break the generational cycle. And a lot of the times, a lot of us are caught in that generational cycle and we think it's life. But if we can show that there's more to life than being involved in these in these communities that's filled with drugs and and um, violence and all of these horrific things that take place, then guess what? We're going to do that. And I'm not just like my team will tell you, like I'm super aggressive and passionate about changing the trajectory of all of the generational curses that has been spoken over lands and over um, families and over communities such as Madeline Cove. Right. So Madeline Cove is um, the birth of it. But we're looking all over the world to do this. In fact, we've gotten calls from other mayors in larger states to say, hey, can you come do what you're doing with Madeline Cove over here in our community? We'll give you the property. We'll give They're you the property. They're just going to give the property. They'll give because taxpayers' dollars are being wasted. Yeah. So now if you go and bring a property back into commerce, now you got taxes being paid. You know, you have use of a community. It, it's beautiful when a community is being used. It's horrible when it's being abandoned. And it's more expensive to keep up with an abandoned community because right, ain't nobody right. paying for it. So that's why um, these properties that are adjudicated all over the world, they say, look, pay a dollar and we'll give you the property. That's how investors and developers are able to do it. Okay. Um, quick question. What is your education background? Because <laughs> I'll be honest, you seem like super smart and I'm trying to figure out like what's your education background. (laughs) So um, I did I did attend college um, some. um, But right in the midst of Katrina, I had stopped going to college. I was um, at Delgado in New Orleans and I went straight to real estate school and I literally I um, I I embedded it into my soul. So like I I attend a ton of real estate classes, a ton of conferences. so besides the Bible, you probably have your face in. You have your face into real yes. estate. Yes, like it's like I should like I like it's crazy that I know the new tax laws that's coming out in Chicago in regards to real estate. I just I love to read about oh that kind God. of stuff. Yeah, you know what? So it's 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 very um, encouraging to to feel the passion that you have for what you do. I wish I had half the knowledge you have of real estate and investments and stuff because. Uh, I, my business partners, they're all mm-hmm. investors and they talk about VC funds. They actually mm-hmm. started the first v- VC fund in Lafayette. Yeah. Um, and I'll introduce you to them in a minute. Okay. But um, 
to hear what they talk about. I learned a little bit from them, mm-hmm. but sometimes they use words and I'm like, ah, what is that? <laughs> like, and you, you've used some terminology. I'm like, I need to go look that up. Uh, so I'm it's sorry, I'm no, sorry. no, don't apologize. I love, I love being challenged like that. Cause I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm smart. I didn't go to college or anything, mm-hmm. but I love digging into things. I love being inquisitive and learning and you're just throwing stuff out there. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process, uh, <laughs> Man, so we're at about uh, 37 minutes here. I want to kind of lay the groundwork as far as, like, where are you headed? Like, what is the, from today on, you know, to the future, five, ten years from now, where do you see yourself going? Changing a billion lives through real estate investing, literally. That's my heart. That's my passion. That's my goal. If I can break, if I broke my generational curse through real estate investing, I would be selfish not to give this away. So everything that I do is geared towards that. The communities that we're developing, the people that we're bringing along to invest with us, the the board game that's coming out that's teaching it, that's at affordable pricing. Like everything that I do is geared towards changing a billion lives, breaking a billion year cycle of generational curses. That's everything to me. And so you're going to be doing this hopefully once COVID is out the door and forgotten about. I'm going to be doing this until um, they put me in the ground. Right, right. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> but like, I'm talking about like, um, what do you call those? Uh, where you, you go publicly speaking and you like you have conferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, were you doing that already or is that something that you're you're kind of incorporating Yes, yeah, so um, I am a certified um, speaker through Eric Thomas and Associates program. And so I've been on their platform for the past two years. And so I use, um, I am um, a speaker through their program in regards to real estate wealth. Um, but in regards to public speaking and different things like that, I've spoken on a lot of different platforms. But going to the next level, speaking at conferences that I've been invited to before COVID happened, yes, that is down that's in the pipelines as well. Okay. And, uh, you, and you also, you, you said you're an author. So you have mm-hmm. a, do you have a book? Yes, I have a book. Um, I actually published, published it in 2018 and it's called frightened, scared and alone no more. And it's my life story. And it talks about every single, um, trial that I went through up into adulthood. This book is for people who are stuck with, um, a roadblock that they can't seem to get around, right? It's meant to show them through my life lessons that I have incorporated in the book. This is what took place to me, but this is how I made it through. And so it's literally a self-help book to get through generational curses and hurts that you've experienced as a child growing up. Wow. It's, it's, so I'm guessing that book is available on your website. It's, is it, it's available on my website on Amazon. Yes. Is it on Audible? No, it you will be. It that. will be on Audible. <laughs> I am an Audible queen. Like that's how I go through so many books so fast. Like yeah. look at my Audible. Yes. Um. Actually, my manager is working to get that set up for me. So. You have a manager. I do. What? Yeah. Look at you. I God. Do. Yes. <laughs> I need to give me one of those. <laughs> I don't know what for yet, but. Um, no, so your your story is quite encouraging. Um, um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on and talk with you because I, I watched some of your videos. I'm like, this woman here, <laughs> like, there's a lot that you were saying. And some of the mm-hmm. stuff, like I said earlier, you, you, you use terminology. And I'm like, she's 
she's got a lot to say. And then obviously looking at your 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 background, I kind of knew that there was some because I've seen articles come out mm-hmm. and like talking about homelessness. I'm like, yes. I knew you came out of a poverty situation, but I didn't know kind of how deep it went. And obviously, it's pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got deep right there. And so, um, it I'm I'm really fascinated with where you came from and the 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 um, the movement i don't know it takes a lot of it takes a lot of willpower to bring yourself from living under a bridge to being where you are now because obviously you're not living under a bridge right now like you're on a mountaintop (laughs) (laughs) we're blessed (laughs) um so if there was a piece of advice that you could give somebody listening right now like one single piece of advice to kind of just take home and chew on, what would that piece of advice be? Don't count yourself out because of the circumstances you're going through. So don't count yourself out because of the circumstances you're going through. Okay. And that's obviously pretty deep because of the the past that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think people allow circumstances to detour them. And they can be headed in a right direction, but because of the circumstances and it and it being so large, it's so big to them that it detours them. And when, and the detours look like self-doubt. You don't believe anymore that where you were headed was the right direction. And you spend two, three, four years on this detour route before you hit a dead end and you realize, dang it, I was heading the right direction. If I didn't allow this self-doubt to get me here, I would be where I want to be. So I would say don't allow, don't allow yourself to be... Um, held back because of what you're going through right now. Like your circumstances don't dictate your outcome. You dictate your outcome, not the circumstances. That's amazing. Um, so last thing, um, are you going to be living in Lafayette for the foreseeable future? I love Lafayette. I'll tell you why. I, I told you I traveled, right? Yep. All right. So I'm from New Orleans. I ha- We have a spot there, whatever. New Orleans is home because that's where, you know, that's where it started, right? But Lafayette is home too. There's no place in the world that got food like us. <laughs> I ain't never leaving, okay? Now, I may have a spot here and there and there, but I ain't never leaving the roots here. I love Acadiana. I okay. Love so the food here in Lafayette compared to New Orleans. You're not about to get me in trouble, Vince. Okay. I, I, you're not about to get me in trouble. I'll say this, okay? Lafayette, here I feel... They like spice, mm-hmm. okay? In New Orleans, it's more Creole and flavorful. So New Orleans tends to go more with flavor, and I feel Lafayette goes with flavor and spice. So it's like a different spectrum. So like I can eat New Orleans jambalaya, and then I can eat um, Lafayette jambalaya, right? And it's t- two different flavors. Yeah. Like, completely different right both good both Both are really good one is red new orleans is red lafayette is brown like i didn't even i i I didn't even know what brown jambalaya was until i got here right so i get it but um yeah i mean i if i had to choose i would say they both are good food yeah yeah protect yourself i know you get it look i think you're good um (laughs) It's one last thing, and you can you can object to answering this if you need. Does New Orleans put tomatoes in their gumbo? All right, so I believe 
you guys, if you've not been to, if you eat, let me say this. If you eat gumbo off of the high tourist areas, you may catch a tomato in your gumbo. Okay. But when you go to the roots of New Orleans, right, um, I would say no. You're not going to get no tomatoes in your gumbo. Like, we, I don't, I never had that. You may get a neck bone, but you won't get no, <laughs> I don't think you're going to get no tomato. But in the fancy part of New Orleans, like bourbon and all those areas with the world chef, um, you know, the world chefs and all those people, they may try to be exquisite and put a tomato oh, in there, but that's the disgusting. Out. Yes, God. that's disgusting. Yeah. If you put a tomato in your gumbo, you've lost all credibility, in my opinion. Yes, it's not a gumbo. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's it's something else. All right, uh, Terika, it was a it was a great pleasure to speak with you. Um, there's there's a lot more to you, and I wish I could talk for several hours but i want to respect your time and also we're both busy people um but i want to let people know that are listening please go check out her website uh terikalynnsmith.com it's on your screen right there it's also in the description of the video um really amazing story and you can also follow her on facebook just uh look her up i think you have a separate page correct Mm -hmm. or is it okay so yeah, uh, go go check her out. Are you on Instagram as well? Yes, everything is Terrica Lynn Smith. Okay. Terrica Lynn Smith. It's so easy. Terrica Lynn Smith. All right, awesome. Well, um, with that, that is all I have. If, if there's anything else that you want to say, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much, Ben, for starting this Developing Lafayette. Thank you for having me. It's like an honor. And again, I'm like, I'm grateful I'm grateful that you stayed on me. You kept your foot on my neck. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> let's not let's not go too far with that that uh, that that type of speak. I, I I like to say I kept the pressure on you, but definitely yes. um, look. I wanted to get you on, and I was excited to speak with you, and I knew you had a lot to say. So um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. You're welcome. You're thank you for coming on. For information on sponsoring the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette, go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click Advertise.